This episode of the Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. Sales Leadership United is the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets. Sales leadership frameworks, mindset tools, skill set tools, performance coaching, sales leadership training tools, video insights with some of the world's most successful sales leaders, tools used by sales leaders to create massive impact in the current environment. So don't waste your time trying to reinvent sales leadership. Head to Sales Leadership United on Patreon and check out what the world's most complete collection of sales leadership assets can do for you. Every topic you'll ever need and the tools to help you accelerate your sales leadership career all in one place. Check out Sales Leadership United today. Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders of teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. Tap into the power of coaching with people who have been there, done that. If you've ever wondered how other people with jobs similar to yours are addressing challenges you're facing now, reach out to the Jepson Performance Group and learn why sales leaders all around the world choose us as their performance partner. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. The show continues to grow so fast. It blows my mind every time I look at, at just how big and how wide the show is growing. And I love all the DMs that you keep sending me. Keep them coming because I love to hear how the conversations I'm having with these elite leaders are helping you in your career. And if you have other people you want me to continue to, to bring on the show, I love the recommendations, so keep them coming. Today, I am really excited to introduce this week's guest. Marina Golemis is the Senior Vice President of North American Sales at ShipBob. ShipBob is a tech-enabled fulfillment platform that supports over 7,000 e-commerce companies. They have a massive global network with over 40 fulfillment centers, and they're experiencing some head-turning growth right now. And Marina, she's been there for the last five years, throwing gas on a fire that's been burning bright. She's participated in every part of the customer acquisition process, leading sales teams at the director level, leading sales teams at the VP level, leading mid-market sales and client success. And her impact was so meaningful that she recently has been promoted to senior vice president for all of North American sales. She's a featured leader by organizations I really respect like Sales Assembly. She's led her teams to record-setting growth, and she's turned more than her individual share of heads along the way as well. This is going to be a fun one, and today we're going to have a conversation that I know you're going to enjoy. We're going to address something that every sales leader needs to consider, and frankly, we've never addressed it head-on on this show. So let's get after it. Marina, welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, and thank you so much for joining me. Rob, thank you so much for having me. I'm so pumped to be here. Fun one. I, I'm a big fan of yours, and I was really grateful when you uh, agreed to join me on the show. And, and I, I can't wait to dive into what we're planning on talking about. But before we do, 
I'd love it if you would introduce us to ShipBob and what you guys do for your customers. So 50,000 listeners all around the world. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for the great intro. I think you nailed it. But ShipBob is enabling small to medium-sized e-commerce businesses to become successful online, right? Fulfillment is a huge portion of your success. And so we are helping you bring your goods into our fulfillment centers and get them to your end customers in a day or two, like the expectation that has been set by the giants in the fulfillment space. We're going to help you do it with a tech-enabled platform um, that's going to give you visibility into all of your inventory, all of your orders, give your customers that visibility that they expect and deserve. So it's been super fun. We've grown globally over the last several years. And so we've got fulfillment centers all across the world. Love it. And the growth story that you've been there, you've been there for a while, you've seen it grow. I think it's so cool that you've helped fuel it, but also been able to grow with it. And now you're leading all of North America. So congratulations on that. And, and, and I can't wait to let our listeners get to learn more about why you've been so successful as we talk about these things. But before we do one last question for you, Marina, I always love asking our guests, like, why sales? Like, most of us, I don't know what you grew when you were when you were growing up. What you thought you'd be? I'm still looking for the person that I was planning on being in sales. What led you to sales and and ultimately wanting to lead teams just at a high level? Yeah, so I was going to be a Hollywood celebrity. I was going to be an actress. I was going to go to Hollywood. Let's go. Be successful there, right? That was that was the dream. But um, going back a while to my childhood, so my family immigrated here from Ukraine when I was six. And so it was a huge move for my parents. They were so busy kind of head down, learning the language, learning the culture, trying to get food on the table that I didn't get, you know, all of these toys and things that my friends had. So early on in life, I was like, I'm going to get a job because jobs pay money and money lets you buy things. And so I started working really young, um, you know, at a local Dunkin' Donuts and then at a local camp as a counselor. Um, and really kind of my aha moment was when I wanted to buy Abercrombie clothes and my parents wouldn't buy it for me. So I got a job at Abercrombie, made money, bought the clothes. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> did I just crack the code, right? Like this was my cheat code for life. So fast forward to graduating from college, um, it was 2009. And so jobs were not plentiful, not abundant. And so I was kind of uh. continuing my sales education by bartending. Um, I didn't know that I was cutting my teeth in sales, but you know, slinging drinks behind a bar, you really get to know people. You learn about the upsell. Are you sure you don't want to add a couple shots to that? You learn about moving quickly, uh, grinding. And so during that time, someone, um, you know, I would talk to as many people as I could about the fact that I was looking for a job, any job at that point. And someone gave me their card and said, Hey, we're hiring in sales. I was like, eh. Sounds like a job to me. Let's go. And so it was supposed to be kind of a means to an end until I figured things out. But I just fell in love with it and have been doing it ever since. The rest is history. You're not the first person to tell me that bartending is a really great way to get into sales. In fact, I know one of a couple of people that say, you know, there's a couple of personas. And when they find successful bartenders, they almost always like interview over, let's get you on board. Yeah. And uh, and so you're not the first one to tell me that. Thanks for sharing your story a little bit. I'm excited. Let's Let's get into what we're going to talk about today, Marina. I I uh, have followed you for a little while, and I've been a fan for a while. And I, I what made me reach out was a comment that you made in a different podcast, by the way, which I went back and listened to that whole thing because it was so good. Um, talking about your journey as a leader when you realize the importance of trusting yourself and that you're in a leadership job because your perspective matters and we shouldn't second guess. And it was really kind of a passionate, like you were on your soapbox and you were going on that one. And I loved it. I was like that energy and that passion around belief in ourselves, because as leaders, 
we're navigating different conditions all the time. And right now, particularly in the tech space, the conditions are different. I shouldn't even say that. The challenges of our world right now are not just hitting tech, it's every single market and people are having to navigate it. And it can be easy to second guess yourself sometimes. And so I wanted to just start with that. So maybe you can channel a little bit about that moment that brought us together. Let's just start with why do you got to trust yourself as a leader? And why do you got to, why do you got to do that? Like, what made you have that realization? Yeah, absolutely. That's such a great question. I think in sales, we while we deliver a revenue number and that's the product we deliver, we don't actually have anything tangible, right? So I'm not, I don't have a deadline by which I create a product that I then hand over to you. And so a lot of my job, frankly, is lending my opinion, right? I go from meeting to meeting and I meet with different members of my team and I have to use my intuition and my years of experience behind it and just lend my opinion how to handle a situation, how to handle you know, a call with a client, all the way through high-level company goals, how we should pivot, how we should be more agile. And so for a while, I would go into these meetings and I wouldn't be fully confident. And I would say like, what I'm thinking is so obvious to me that they probably already know it. And if I say it out loud, I'm just going to sound like an idiot because everyone's going to say, well, duh, of course we know that. But then slowly I started saying those things out loud and people were like, whoa, what an insight. And I was like, huh, maybe it's not as obvious to other people as it is to me. And maybe that's why I have a seat at this table is because my intuition is what's gotten me to this point. And so I started to develop that more and more and realized that just because you don't have a tangible good or product that you're delivering, your value is incredibly important. And you have to trust your instincts because that experience and intuition is what got you to this point. Well, I think there's a whole bunch of sales leaders that have just connected with you now. You saying that, Marina, I think there's a lot of people that are going, huh, right? I mean, I, 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 you're, I'm slowing down on purpose because I want these people to be like, yeah, like, yeah, I do understand that. I think you're right. Like, sometimes you don't want to be the no duh person. Like, you don't want to be the no shit Sherlock person. But you also don't want to be that leader who puts yourself on a pedestal because one of the leadership laws I've learned is leaders on pedestals make easy targets, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so so you started to learn that to intuition and trust just by vocalizing it and watching how people respond. And so some of it was confidence and probably some of it was observation. Is that part of it as well? Like observing how people respond? Like how, how do you go from like dabbling to saying, yeah, I'm not going to worry too much if this is going to be a no duh moment or not. Like, what's that? Like? How do you go through that? Well, I'll tell you what, I actually learned that those no duh moments or like no shit Sherlock moments are kind of affirming yeah. for the people that said them because you might be validating a thought that somebody else was having. And if it is obvious, you're just making a statement that's more of a North Star guiding light for the whole conversation. So there's really like no downside, right? You might say something or ask a question that you think might be stupid but there's a good chance someone else was thinking the same thing. So I think like learning the confidence around that to say, I'm just going to say what I'm thinking here. Or I'm going to push back on this because it doesn't make sense to me. There's a good chance it's not making sense to someone else in the room. And if you're totally off the mark, which I've been a thousand times, someone will tell you, no, 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 it's actually like this. Okay, cool. Great. Thanks so much. But at least I wasn't afraid to speak up. I think, again, I, I can't wait to get your take on this. I think Sometimes being the first person to vocalize something, it's the hardest one. Lots of people are thinking things. They're just waiting for someone to say it. Like I, I know I've 
I'll be honest. I've been that person who didn't have the confidence to speak up. I've been that person. And then when someone says it, I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Yeah, what she said, but also I have this thought too, right? Yeah. Like, is that an important part? Do you see that happen? Like when you speak up, like you can create an environment where you can invite collaborative uh, conversation? Absolutely. I think it's part of the confidence journey, right? So like you sit back a few times and you wait for someone else to say the thing you're thinking. And that should give you the confidence to say, hey, if this person who's another leader I respect is saying this, and maybe next time I will speak up the first time the thought comes to mind. And then, yeah, of course, it's part of this collaborative conversation. It's so great that you were thinking that I was thinking something similar. Let's double down on that, right? If more than one person is thinking it, it's probably worth a discussion. Okay. You just gave me a you just gave me a phrase that I wrote down that we're going to really sit in this. And so I hope you're ready because you just said something that I, I'm excited about. Uh, I hope our listeners are excited. You said the confidence journey. What a great phrase, the confidence journey as a leader, not helping build confidence so much just in your reps. And this is the confidence journey from a leader. Um, why did you call it that? Like now I'm, you got me so interested in this. Why did you call it that? Because it is a journey. I mean, maybe there are people out there who were born confident. They were hand raisers since kindergarten. They were in the front of the bus, the first row in school. And, you know, I've seen those people. And I frankly have been always so envious of them because I love that. And it wasn't until several years in my career that I realized that if I ever wanted to get there, I'm going to have to fake it till I make it, emulate that confidence. And so at a previous job, what I did was I gave myself um, confidence, almost mentors, right? They didn't even know they were my confidence mentors, but I was like, I want to elude or be able to portray the same level of confidence that this person does. So I'm going to fake it till I make it. And hopefully it'll become second nature. And so I started to do that and it has been such a journey. And only now, you know, 15 plus years in my career, am I not second guessing myself? And maybe I could be a confidence leader or mentor for somebody else, but it yes. was a journey. So that's what I want to do in the rest of this episode. We're shifting. I know we talked about this stuff, but this angle is way cooler, I think. So we're going to sit in this angle. Like right. one of the things I always think as leaders is I love to say, hey, what, like you said, what took me 15 years to do? I'd like to help you learn in two years or one year. It won't be one podcast episode, but we might be able to come up with a framework of, of this. So I, I already know this is going to be an episode we call the confidence journey. And, and, and I, I love where we're going with this. So we got a whole bunch of people. And I don't care if you're a brand new leader or if you're a leader that's been 25 years of leading. Every one of us has those moments where we question ourselves and we doubt ourselves. And if someone says no, I'm calling BS. You're a liar. Okay. We all have those moments. So the confidence journey for you starts with identifying like what does that look like? And, and so that's an interesting conversation. I, I like to maybe spend another minute or two in. So when you are a leader, how would you suggest to our leaders, like finding some of those like models of what good looks like? Is, is there any suggestions that you would do as you've been pretty intentional about this? Yeah. I mean, for me, what really works is, you know, when most of us are working from home or even in a meeting in the office, right? There's a lot of times you're spacing out, you're checking Slack, you're checking your phone, you're doing something else. If there's one person, when they start talking, you drop everything and you start paying attention subconsciously, right? It's not something you're actively thinking about. That's your confidence mentor. That's the person who you should be looking up to because they are making you focus, drop everything else. You want to hear what they have to say, whether it's because of the content, the presentation, the way they communicate, whatever it is, it's making you want to listen and wanting to listen is part of the journey. 
It's funny that you say that. I was talking with a great sales leader yesterday and she was telling me that one of her things she wants to get better at is the opposite of this. She's like, man, I'm not, not a great listener is what she told me. It made me laugh. She's like, I want to become a more intentional leader because I usually only listen to respond. I don't listen to understand. And she said, and it really is driven by who's talking to me. She said, if it's someone that I really respect, then I'm like this. But otherwise, like if it's like run of the mill, I find myself checking out. And so I think that's really interesting that you've pulled that distinction out. Like, who are those people that when they stop, when they start talking, you listen, but also the other people around them and, and start paying attention on a couple of things that I, I took notes on that you, that you mentioned, like one of them is delivery style. Uh, like you said, one of them is the, the way that they present things. Uh, is there anything else that you would look, that you would say, like, these are some things that will help you when you just to make those comments. Cause I want to get, it's more than just responding in a meeting, right? It's way yeah. more than that. But, but since you started there, let's stay there. Any things that you would say that are things that our, our listeners ought to be like jotting down, here's like three or four things you ought to be watching for with those around you. So you can start being intentional about how you reinvent the way you do it. Yeah. I mean, if someone generally brings insights that make you think about something a different way insights. than you want, right? Insights. Yes. Like I love when this person speaks because their brain works really differently than mine. And I know I don't have all the answers and that angle is exactly what I'm missing. So when they're talking, I'm going to get more valuable insights to be more well-rounded in my decision-making. Love it. That's a really good one. In fact, I've told people that you want to move from being like a tactical member of a team to a strategic member of the team. You got to move from just giving information and start providing insights. You know, for example, while we were doing X, we observed Y, right? Oh, yeah. While the team was doing A, you know, noticed B. And I think that observational data is equal to, if not greater than measured data. Anybody can see the measured data, the Salesforce report or whatever. But the observational data, that's something that if you can learn to rely on that equally, if not greater than the measured data, that's a really great source of confidence to back to your confidence journey, because it's what you're seeing. It's not what you're reading about and you hope is true. It's what you're seeing, right? Absolutely. And that's storytelling, right? We talk about storytelling in sales all the time. It is taking these insights and takeaways, creating them into a narrative and a story that might help someone else understand, might help you understand, might show someone else that you're understanding. But that's all part of the confidence journey, I think, is being able to put it all together and be able to create a story out of it. So, so let's talk about that then. So you're going to create confidence based on what you're experiencing, trusting your perspective, trusting your experience, but it's also not, you're not making those based on what you did 15 years ago. I'm going to guess that you're pretty present to what's happening now. How important is it for our leaders to prioritize having those observational moments, being present and seeing what's happening rather than just being an armchair quarterback that's, you know, vice president of spreadsheets? Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, look, that kind of agility, the ability to be able to pivot quickly based on the demands of your customers, of your market, of your company, based on the things that are happening in real time, it's invaluable that you cannot make it up. And if you're going to stay stagnant, you're going to say, look, I've been successful up to this point. I've had all the answers up till now. We're going to do it my way or the highway. You're going to lose. Funny that you say that. I I have a a guy that I just kicked off coaching on Friday and he's a He's been in the game for a while. And he said, Hey man, I'm towards the end. And he said, I was successful early in my career by saying it's my way. He goes, but I'm losing now because I've said that. And 
And so old has nothing to do with AARP or your age. It has everything to do with if you let yourself get stale or disconnected. How important is it for us as leaders to prioritize staying connected to what's actually happening? I mean, your your learning journey is never over, right? Because things are mm. evolving. And so if you decide you've learned everything because you know every sales methodology inside and out and you know how to forecast and you know read a pipeline, then you're done. You're going to get left in the dust and somebody who's more agile, regardless of age, like you said, is going to show up and take your place. Because I think today it's more about connection than it is correction. Is that is that a fair thing to say? Yeah, I love that. It absolutely is. I mean, especially in this remote world that most of us yeah. have. All right. So let's talk about that. Let's go back to, I'm, I'm, I'm building a model right now as you talk to me. I know you probably don't have a model ready, but this conversation, I want us to finish with a model. Uh, you know, Marina's confidence journey model. And it starts with being aware of what makes people resonate. Uh, another one is being intentional about staying current. You know, I've observed that X. Is that a good way to share things? It seems like, or as I've been watching, it looks like, like, is there a, like, is there a method to like, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, again, we're inventing this as we go, which is why everyone's going to like this because this is not scripted by any means. Um, is there like an art to how you share those observations or you share those insights in a confident way? So you're not just like the know-it-all or someone that, I don't know, is, is saying, this is what, this is the way it is. Is there like an art form to saying, here's why I feel this way? Is that like, does that make sense the way I'm asking yeah. that? Or, or, or Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, look, it's one of two things. It either needs to be at the end of all of that, you're solving a problem. And so here are my takeaways and insights on how we're going to solve this problem that we've been out to solve, or there's going to be a recommendation, right? A recommended behavior. Because you can data dump, you can story dump, you can do all of these things. But if there's not an actionable takeaway, if no one walks out of the meeting feeling like, all right, I know what I'm going to do next here. And I have a path or there's a light at the end of this. And we're going to like really overcome this beast of a problem. Then you were just talking to talk, right? Yes, I like that. And that happens a lot. Don't you think there's a lot of people who like, it's that leader on a pedestal concept, like, oh yeah, I, I've done this. This is my way. I, I think you're right. You're just talking and talking. My experience is people that get, talk to talk, they lose people fast. They, they lose mm -hmm. them really fast. So how, let me, let me flip this around to the other side of this, this confidence journey. I really like this concept of a confidence journey because we're all on it. It is a learning journey. It is a lot of journeys wrapped up into one to make this confidence journey. Um, when you have that conversation and you trust that instinct and you trust that perspective that you have developed over time, what's your experience about how the members of the team respond to that? Do they need that? Do they want that? Like for the most, like what's your experience been for people that might still be on that side saying, like, like I'll tell you, I, I was doing a group training thing and I, I said something at the end, like, hey, if you think that this was a waste of your time, I want you to tell me. The person who hired me is like, Rob, don't ever say that again. We, we, we don't think it's for us. We wouldn't have hired you. I was like, yeah, that was really stupid for me to say. And I do this all the time. And I still said that. So I imagine we got a bunch of people who might feel that way too. Yep. The, 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 what's your experience been? Do people respond to that? Well, like, should we have confidence that they actually want that from a leader? Yeah, I think that there's a really fine line between humility and like self-deprecation. And I think that a lot of 
the best leaders are they're going to be humble, right? Yeah. But once we cross the line into self-deprecation, you start to lose a little bit of that confidence. You can be humble and confident at the same time. I think a lot of leaders are, but when you start with statements like, ah, this was a waste of your time, I think yeah. people are going to think, I would never think that I have, you know, I admire this person. I have so much confidence in them, but now should I be thinking that? So you don't want to plant yeah. those thoughts into people's minds. I think you approach it from a humble perspective. But I think to your earlier question, you kind of build the trust equity with, with your team. It's not something I could come and join a new company tomorrow and say, I had five years of success at ShipBob and you know X number of years here. It doesn't matter at this new company. These people don't know you. They haven't seen you in action. And so over time, you build this trust equity where all of a sudden you're opinion becomes that much more valuable because you are relying on people know that you're doing your due diligence, you're doing your research. And so when you are coming to them with a recommendation, you're coming to them confidently, they can say, I know this person has done the legwork to make this recommendation versus just again, coming in, oh, I have some thoughts, I'm talking to talk, I have a whole bunch of data that I might just throw at you that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So I think that's why you need to have part of your trust equity. I like that. Be you're continuing to reinvent. And mm -hmm. in fact, I would say to our leaders, we got a lot of leaders, 50,000 leaders listening to you and I right now. If you want to be a sales leader for a very long period of time, meaning going in and out of different conditions, you'd better be able to reinvent and have confidence in your perspective and your insights, because otherwise you're only going to be good for that set of conditions that you're in right now. Fair to say? Absolutely. And so- I got a whole bunch of ideas that are hitting my mind right now. So can we rapid fire, just go in and out of some of these things? Because I love your perspective and your confidence, by the way, on this topic. Um, how important is it to meet people where they are then if you're going to have this rather than expect them to get where you are? Does that play a role in this? Vital. If you are not meeting people where they are and listening to their expertise, again, you don't know everything. You didn't experience their experience. You don't know their angle. And so whether it is, a BDR coming to you as a VP of sales and saying, Hey, like, I know you rolled out X, Y, and Z, but here's why it's not working for me. You better meet them where they are because they're the ones on the ground doing the job. Right. And they're probably representing the thoughts of everybody else. So it's really important to be open-minded to that feedback, meet people where they are. And that's how you build that trust equity. Right. How do you keep meeting where they are being a skill and not a buzzword? Is that a, is that a weird question? Cause I hear it talked about a lot, but it seems rare that people are good at it. Disagree, agree? Agree. I think that uh, what you brought up earlier about the leader that sounds like she had a lot of self-awareness that said, I listen to respond. I don't listen to listen. You have yeah. to listen, right? I, and I think that is a universal rule that goes across every relationship, whether it's personal or work. If you're listening to listen, there's a good chance that someone's going to say something that hasn't occurred to you yet. And so you internalize that and that might change your response. So the response you had all prepped in your mind that you were ready to throw at someone, someone says something, throws you off. You might need a minute to like digest that and then tweak your response. That's how you get good at it. If you already have your canned response and you're going to say that no matter what is coming at you, that's not great. This is so good. Like people that get sales leadership united will see me cut this into a bunch of videos and like they'll laugh when they see me because like it takes a lot to shut me up. Marina, you're doing a great job of it right now. I'm, I'm on page two of my notes with you right now. And um, 
I like this. I just called what you talked about self-awareness. Like you said, this leader I was talking about that knew I needed to work on my listening. <clears throat> self-awareness has at least two or three areas. Like we need to be intentional. Like I know this is like random, like I, but I love your perspective. Any advice on how do you intentionally become self-aware? Because I, I think it's more than just hoping that your company does a 360 review to like force that on you, right? That I mean, yeah. that, that's one way, but it, it, there's got to be more to it than that. What are, what are some areas or ways that you can go back to my client that I talked about? How, how do you actually become that kind of level of self-aware? Yeah, I mean, definitely don't rely on someone else to tell you what your shortcomings are. <laughs> <laughs> I think, look, I know what I'm good at and what I'm not. I was a communications major. I was not an econ major. I was not a finance major. I'm bad with numbers. I don't know them. It's important to be good with numbers as a sales leader. So I lean heavily on my RevOps partner who works with me. We understand each other, right? He knows how to present data to me in a way that'll make sense. And I know how to spend some time. I need more time digging into that data than someone else who's better with numbers might, right? but it's an integral part of my job. I can't be successful without it. So I'm going to spend that time doing it. So I think just like knowing what you're good at and what you're not, I think very few people out there think that they're a master of all. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think self-awareness, it comes down to number one, I think the first part of self-awareness, a lot of people go to like, how am I received by others? But as I listen to it, things that self-awareness, like, do I really know what I'm chasing? Like, do I know like, what's our target? Like, what's our goal? I I see too many leaders that are still work really hard, cross our fingers and hope. And that's the opposite of who you are. That's the opposite of trust your instincts. That's the opposite of trust your perspective. That's the opposite of let's shine a light. Let's create a well-lit pathway for success. Not because I'm cocky, but because I'm confident in this confidence journey. And so how big of a part of your self-awareness is like, do I really know what I'm chasing? Is that part of it? Yeah. I mean, you should have a North. I think having a North star just makes your life so much easier in every aspect of life. If I know what my North star is and it's going to guide all of my decisions, making those decisions is so easy because as intelligent people, you're going to be able to look at things from a multitude of angles. Right. And we're, and that's when you get into analysis paralysis, whether it's with data or with just anything. And so if I have a North star and I know what I'm focused on at the very end of the day, everything has to roll up to this one thing then I'm going to make all of my decisions based on that. Yeah. And Marina, you probably have coached a lot of people like I have. Like when I start with someone, one of my first things is like, what do you want? Like, why did you want to work together? What do you want? Does it surprise you that very often they're like, I don't have a good answer to that? Does, it, does that surprise you? I definitely haven't coached as many people as you have. But when I have those conversations, I definitely yeah. ask like, what are we, what are we doing here? What are we hoping to achieve? And let's work down yeah right? Like let's work top down. And yeah, people just, you know, there's a lot of like, I want to hit my target. I want to make a lot of money. I think that's a really good start. Um, yep. But like what, what's stopping you from doing that? What do you need to work on within yourself? How can I help you do that? Right. All right. So I love this. So I, I, I'm not even looking at my question sheet anymore that we'd written together when we started, because I, I love this conversation so much. So fast. Things change fast, right? We, we're chasing this. This works. This is our sales model. This is what we're doing. This is what we're after. All of a sudden, things change. That means we got to change our target. We got to change what we're chasing. Or maybe that's still the same, but the way that we're going to get there, we have to take a new route, right? It's like the, the bridge went down. Now we got to cross the river another way. Adapting, changing. Like, how do you do that in a way that you just talked about? Like, how does that fuel into your confidence journey? I, I, you know, maybe you're being asked to take someone through a market condition that you've never seen before. 
right? Yeah. Uh, you went through 2008, so you know what that looks like. And I, I, I led a team through 2008, 2009. I know what that looks like. So when we see some of the stuff now, like I'm like, oh, this feels kind of familiar. And that's helpful. But for people that might be seeing new stuff, like this idea of trusting yourself, trusting your perspective, being authentic, not like, you know, like, well, I guess this is the company line. So I guess this is what we're going to do. You're smiling. I wish people could see the smile you got on your face right now. Like, I think that tells me you got something you want to share on this. What advice would you give to these leaders that find themselves in that situation? Yeah, well, first of all, how much fun would this job be if we were always working in the same conditions, right? Like, okay, you perfected it. Now I'm checking out. No way. Like, Love thing, it. Love it's pivoting it. all the time. It's moving all the time. We're the crazy people that decided to go into sales as a career. So you obviously love chaos. So I think it's okay with admitting, like that's where the humility piece comes back in. That amazing mm. plan that you created six months ago that was going to take you all the way to the top in those market conditions is no longer applicable and it's back to the drawing board. And we have to be okay with that. And that may have been the right decision at the time, but now it's time to reinvent. And so one of the things that took a really long time in my confidence journey was admitting that either I made a mistake in the first place or that something I, you know, an initiative I created is no longer working because I thought that that would be a sign of weakness and someone would look at me as, well, does this person even know what they're doing if she's making mistakes? And then she's saying that she's making these mistakes. I really... I, that was a really tough one for me to overcome. And I saw other people doing it with a ton of humility and saying, I'm only human. And I'm like, well, it sounds all right coming from them. There's that confidence mentor again. What if I try it, right? And so that, again, it gets that buy-in from your team. You're meeting people where they are. Maybe someone was like, hey, I was scared to tell you, but it's no longer working. That thing you created was no longer working. Cool. I want to hear it. I am so guilty of what you just said. And I, I wish I could be honest and tell you, oh, I was guilty of that early in my leadership career. I find myself still having to be really like aware of that. Mm -hmm. I think high character leadership, part of it means you're humble enough to know that you can be wrong about almost anything. And that right. doesn't mean you're dumb. It just means that part of confidence is to say, it's okay to get it wrong. We're just going to keep trying, right? Yeah. And what kind of an environment do you find those kind of leaders create? Have you noticed that that creates a difference in the environment that comes as a result? Yeah, those are your transparent leaders, right? Those are the leaders that are going to share just about anything that they can share, right, um, with you because they're going to create context for you. They're going to get buy-in from you, and they're not going to be afraid to say, I made a mistake. You humanize yourself. You bring yourself down to your level. I mean, the reason I've got half my team working in my dining room right now is because I couldn't get to the office today. I don't have childcare. And so I'm like, let's bring them here. Like, let's make you a part of my life. Like we're That's just- That's so badass. Yeah. That is so badass. <laughs> I mean, and so unique. Like what I'm here, like, like I talk to a lot of leaders. I feel like I see a lot. And what you're describing, I love because I think it's because it's so authentic. I think that's the reason, Marina, is, is that it's authentic. And we haven't really hit that yet. I can't believe we're down to our last 10 minutes or so. This has gone, for me, super fast. Thank you. I, I really, really like this. Talked about adapting. We've talked about connecting. We've talked about a lot of skills that go into this leadership uh, confidence journey. As times change, confidence doesn't have to mean... I got all the answers, I don't think. I think confidence can be, we got the right people and together we can figure this out. Is is there anything to that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, confidence is, I'm going to stay on my toes. 
I'm never going to get comfortable. And I'm going to understand that, again, I have to stay on top of everything that's going on here and listen to the people around me. They have a different perspective because they have a different skill set than me. They've had a different experience than me. They have maybe boots on the ground executing on the plans that I've created. So I better be getting their feedback about whether or not it's not it's working, right? I'm creating a framework based on my intuition and ideas that I think will work, but like they're the ones executing on it. So they're a huge part of that. And then again, you know, someone else who might not be as great at storytelling is amazing at data. I need that person to be successful at my job. You just gave me another part of the model. When it's all done, I can't wait to show you Marina's model on, on the confidence journey. And uh, what I like is I call this one intentionality. So you're intentional about what you're observing. You're intentional about what you're hypothesizing. Maybe that's too academic of a word, like what you're thinking, right? Yeah. You're intentional about drawing from your experiences that you've had, but you're also the flip side of that intentionality. You're intentional about bringing people in and creating an environment where there's professional safety. We talk a lot about psychological safety and emotional safety. There's professional safety that a, not only do you need them to be successful, but you really value like what's their response to this intentionality that you've built. So you're happy to lead with, with confidence not because you're an all, but because you know that if you start it, you're going to fuel this different collaborative effort where people will be part of what's happening rather than just doing what they're told is what I feel like you said. That's absolutely what I said. And I think what that sparked for me is confidence has nothing to do with having all the answers, right? Ooh. Everything Ooh. else around it. Go a little bit deeper. Tell me why that is. Cause I love it. That's a great soundbite. I love it, but I don't want just a soundbite. I don't want just a power statement from, from um, Marina. I want, I want like a little bit more. Tell me why that was so meaningful to you. And I, cause I, I love that. Well, because confidence is everything else around you. It's the ability to be able to trust in people that might be better than you and something else and say, Hey, why don't you take this? Because you're going to execute on it better than me. It's the confidence to be able to go to your boss and report on something and give other people credit and say, well, so-and-so thought of this and so-and-so thought of this and together, here's what we put together, right? I may be the messenger here, but I'm certainly not taking all the credit. So it's that, it's the ability to be humble, to collaborate. All of that takes a ton of confidence because a person who's not confident, they're going to try to solve it all themselves, right? They're not going to admit when they were wrong. They're not going to admit that they don't have all the answers because they're nervous. They don't have the confidence to be vulnerable. This, this is, this is something that I hope every leader goes back and listens to and thinks, because now you made me think of something else, Marina. I think as leaders, if we want to build that confidence, we should do a, a couple of things that we can inventory or we can audit. One of them is what are people bringing to you? Are they only bringing like deals or problems or transactions to you? If that's all they're bringing to you, great, help them. But it also shows you they may not have the confidence of doing the other things with you. I, I think you should like one of the great ways, I felt this for a while, but now you've made me think about it in another way. You know what kind of impact you're having as a leader in large part based on what people are bringing to you, Absolutely. right? And I think are, a huge part of that is, are they bringing you problems or are they bringing proposed solutions? Because if you're making them comfortable enough to bring you a proposed solution, even if it's wrong, if it's off the mark, they're not afraid that you're just going to criticize them and say, no, that was stupid, like do it my way. You've now created an environment where everyone is confident enough to at least try. Yeah, the, the music for our show is, is Bob Marley's uh, 
Every little thing's going to be all right through little birds. I think for our episode, I got to change it to Eminem. I'm not afraid. That's what <laughs> I got to do. I, I got to change it to not afraid for our episode because what you just said, I, I really like that. Like this no fear, not because you're reckless, not because you're cocky, but actually because you're so authentic, right? And I love, I love this idea of we're not being thrill seekers that are like bungee jumping off of a waterfall. And we're not, you know, driving at a hundred miles an hour into a foggy night and hope we don't hit something. It's none of those things. It's no fear because of this environment that you've built and confidence in the experience and the way that you go about it. It's that intentionality because I think you don't Well, here's one of the things like I said, about his confidence not about having all the answers. So I want to, I want to go a little deeper on this and we're running out of time and I'm pissed. I wish we'd started on this. Maybe we'll have you back for a round two in a few yeah. months. Okay. I also think it's not about having the longest tenure on the team. You don't like you're, you've learned from your 15 years of doing this. Okay. But I think someone that's a couple years in or a year in or a brand new leader, they can also borrow from your, your, your model that you've built here with me today. You don't have to have been in the game for 15 years to have this kind of confidence and this kind of instinct and this kind of trust in yourself or to build this kind of an environment. Would you mind diving a little bit of that? Because I love how you said it's not having all the answers, but it's also maybe not having all the experience either. Is that fair? Yeah, I think one of my favorite quotes is leadership has nothing to do with the title. Right. Because when I was an individual contributor, if there was a problem that I saw that was impacting me, there's a good chance it was impacting other sellers on my team. Right. And so I would go and try to solve it in a scalable way, in a way that's going to help other people get better too. So that wasn't because anyone was asking me to do that. That wasn't because I was trying to earn brownie points or get extra credit. Right. Like I made money by selling, but it was because if I could create some sort of a, you know, remove some sort of an obstacle for myself and other people, why wouldn't I do it? And so I think that was like my first foray into leadership before I had even thought about being a leader. Um, and my leader at the time kind of saw that and said, Hey, have you thought about leadership? I was like, no, your job sounds terrible. Why would I ever do that? Um, right. But you know, right. the reality is leadership has nothing to do with your title. It's how you act day to day. And an individual contributor can be just as much of a leader as a leader with a given title. Oh, for sure. And I think learning to lead through influence is everything. Um, I, I always go back to leadership is about influence and it's about priorities and that's it. And then, you know, there's still people who talk about creating influence with either carrots or sticks. And I, it's too bad. I think 1998 called and they want that model back. And, um, you know, I, Marina, this has been awesome. I, I, I'm sensitive to to like we're running out of time. I want to make sure we do two things. I want to give you time to give everybody who's listening the opportunity to connect with you. You're an amazing follow. You're someone that they should connect to. Uh, who knows? Maybe there's people that would benefit from what you guys do at Ship Bob. I hope all of those things. Uh, but I also want to give you time at the end to like kind of give you the mic open open mic at the improv like some final thoughts around this. Trust yourself and and trust your instincts and build that kind of environment. So. Uh, that's how I think I want to finish. But how do they get more of you? How do they connect to you? How do they learn and hear? Because you're someone that they should be following for sure. How do they do that? Appreciate it. Well, I am very sporadic about my content creation on LinkedIn, but please connect with me. Um, it's Marina Golemis, G-O-L-E-M-I-S. I would love to connect with anyone then mgolemis at shipbob.com. Um, so that would be amazing. And I do my best to answer every message I get. We'll we'll put links to the to your LinkedIn and stuff in our show notes as well, and and uh, that'll be awesome. I, I I really hope our listeners take you up on that because you're a really great person to be connected to. 
Final thoughts. We've had a really great conversation. Uh, you showed your energy. You showed your that fire that's in you. I love it. I love the passion that comes from you. Uh, the energy around, hey, trust yourself. And so if you were going to give some advice to leaders, some of them have been in the game as long as you have, some of them maybe even longer, some of them newer. But we got people that listen to the show because we've tried really hard to bring people like you that are currently leading teams with great success to share things. Why is that trust in self? Why is that trust in perspective? Why is that that willingness to say, I'm going to believe in my confidence journey. Maybe that's what it is. Like, how would you wrap up our conversation and what advice would you give 50,000 people all around the world? Your perspective is uniquely yours. It is built out of something that no one else has experienced. So regardless of whether you think someone has higher education than you, more experience than you, better results than you in the past, they still won't have your train of thought, right? Like your perspective. And so if you don't shoot your shot with putting it out there, then you're just doing yourself and frankly, everybody else a disservice. I think you've earned your seat at the table and now it's your turn to show people why. Ooh, mic drop. I love it. All right. Her name is Marina Galemis. She is helping people in their confidence journey all around the world. And she's not doing it by being a know-it-all. She's doing it by learning to trust her instincts, trust her perspective, trust herself, and create an environment where you invite people in by building the, the confidence journeys of, their, of, of, of those individual people. And if you wonder if that'll work for you, my advice is to reach out to Marina, learn a little more about the success stories she's made, because that is the thing that will take you from an average run-of-the-mill leader to one that creates life-changing years for the people that they work with. And that's what our job is, is to help people's lives change, career change, all because they had the opportunity to work with you. Marina, I, I'm so grateful that you said yes to meeting with me. I'm so grateful that I got to ha have a chance to get to meet you a little bit. I hope that sometime down the road, we'll have you back for a round two when you know, you've taken your company at another level and, and we can learn more uh, great things as a sales leader from you. Thank you. Uh, and, and I wish you only success. Thank you so much, Rob. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, this episode is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. We are having a different year than we've ever had, facing new challenges than we've ever had to face. And every single sales leader needs to find ways to create more impact with the people they lead. And that's why I created Sales Leadership United. Marina said it a couple times on her episode today. We have to reinvent ourselves. And that isn't easy. Creating sales leadership assets is hard. It takes a lot of time and you always wonder if what you're building is going to work. Sales Leadership United is the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets. Members of Sales Leadership United have access to proven trainings, techniques, and tactics used by some of the world's most successful sales leaders. With a simple search, you can find sales leadership resources, proven frameworks, modern systems, sales meeting ideas you can use immediately, and much, much more. Systems on any leadership topic you need are ready for you to tap into at Sales Leadership United. Hundreds of video segments from some of the most successful sales leaders in the world are one search away. You can find Sales Leadership United on Patreon, and for less than the cost of lunch, you can have access to more sales leadership materials than you may have ever imagined. 
New materials released every week. I think I released five things this week already, and you will never be operating on old systems as a member of Sales Leadership United. So click the link in the show notes and check out Sales Leadership United today. Now, I think this conversation with Marina was so timely and so, so important. I know that a lot of leaders are looking over their shoulders all the time. I know because they tell me. They worry if they're going to get it right. I had a couple of people tell me that one-on-ones today. And frankly, this is a big reason why so many never make the leap from tactical to strategic leadership. And this applies so broadly. It makes me want to share a story I experienced last week. I had this really amazing milestone moment last week. My oldest daughter graduated from college with her master's degree. I'm going to brag for a minute. She earned two degrees in five years. And yes, I am one proud girl dad. As a master's student, they had two commencement events. The first was an event where all the members of her cohort gathered and they all received their master's degree hoods so they'd be able to wear them with their graduation robes the next day when they walked with their class. She's an occupational therapist who received a master's degree in applied behavioral analysis. She will work with families that have children with autism. It's a highly specialized degree and she will be treating children facing the fastest growing developmental disorder in the world right now which created some anxiety for her. She wondered if she was really qualified. She wondered if she could trust her her training and, and her instincts and the things she'd been taught. It, it was imposter syndrome, something we've talked about a lot. So here's where I'm going with this. In the event where they award the master's hoods, it's a small gathering for these 12 members of her cohort. She was allowed to invite up to three people to the event. And at the event, they awarded the master's hoods and they profiled each member of the cohort in what was a really, really cool event. Before the profiling and the celebrating started though, the Dean of the School of Education took several minutes to share how the professors and the instructors stay current in what is happening in this very specific area of behavioral science, because this is growing and developing so very quickly. The dean was awesome. It was so impressive. I loved what she had to say. She went to great lengths for us as a family and friends of these students to understand just how important it was for these students to have the most recent, the latest, the most cutting edge training to ensure they were well prepared to effectively make massive impact in the lives of those they work with. Now, the next day was the day they all were walked uh, to get their degrees, and, and it was part of the other programs that were part of the School of Education. And while this was a much larger event, and it was the typical event you think of when you think of graduation with all the pomp and circumstance, the dean started with a very similar speech. And while this one was not around the area of autism specifically, she did press pause to make sure that all in attendance knew just how much of a priority ongoing growth and development was in order to be a member of the faculty. Now this hit home because I've had several leaders, young and old, uh, tell me that they deal with this question. In fact, I've had people that are recent college grads tell me their college experience didn't really prepare them for a sales career. But as I listened to the dean that second time through, it occurred to me just how important this is to any professional, and maybe in particular how important it is to us as sales leaders. So I love how Marina called this the confidence journey. We need to take charge of our confidence journeys because she's right. They are journeys. We're like one of those old explorers, right? 
Lewis and Clark or whoever, Magellan. We're going into uncharted area. We're facing new conditions, places no one's been, and that's changing from week to week. And just like this dean who was so intentional about creating confidence in the students and in the faculty, we got to do the same thing. We got to reinvent and work on ourselves because this won't just build confidence in ourselves as leaders. It will fuel the fires of the confidence of the journeys of those we lead, just like these faculty members did for these students. So I hope like crazy you choose to go back and take good notes on this one with Marina. Log into Sales Leadership United and check out the videos I'm going to be releasing from this one over the next month. Because you're going to want to learn to trust yourself and your perspective. You need to be intentional with your confidence journey. You need to be intentional about helping fuel the confidence journeys of those you lead. And, and frankly, the confidence journeys of those customers you interact with as well. So whatever you do, don't forget what Miranda said at the end. Confidence is not about having all the answers. Confidence is something that you need to build intentionally because it's a fuel that nothing else can duplicate. And Marina shares a blueprint you can implement if you want to. So my advice, do it. Get intentional about where you are in your confidence journey because it's infectious. And if you follow her advice and you do some of those simple things she talked about, you can have that confidence journey pick up speed and that confidence will be infectious. Your team will have a different level of trust for you. It will come in the confidence trust you build as a result of the confidence you build. So trust yourself. You are in your role for a reason and just keep moving forward with intention on that confidence road you're on. Marina, thanks so much for joining me. I love your work. I appreciate you sharing these killer insights with us. This was a fun conversation. It was one that fired me up. It's one I haven't stopped thinking about. It's one I'm happy to share with the sales leaders all around the world. I hope every leader who listens to this takes your model and works on intentionally becoming more confident as they travel their own confidence journeys. Thank you, Marina, for being so willing to share with our leaders. Take my advice and connect with Marina. Reach out to her with questions. Follow her journey because it's a good one. We've got links in our show notes to make it easy for you to correct, connect. And trust me, you'll be glad to be connected with her. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. The greatest compliment you can give us is to share the show with those you work with. Introduce them to the Sales Leadership Podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes. And you can support the show by checking out Sales Leadership United. Head to Patreon and check it out. You'll be glad you did. Thanks for your support of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Our job as sales leaders is to create life-changing years for the people we lead. And if you like this message, please share it with someone who needs to hear it. And then get after it this week. Because life is short. We got no guarantee of what will come tomorrow. So maximize what you do today. Choose to be elite. Live strong and chase your passions. Do your best work so you can live your best life. And don't ever forget, you got this and I got you. Have a terrific week. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up 
at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.